Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Hope you're having a good week. Listen, today's episode you are going to want to stay tuned for. We've got all kinds of amazing things planned this month at Unseminary, and it kicks off today with an incredible interview with Zach Zander. Uh, just love what he has to say. Uh, you're going to love this conversation. Listen, today's episode is brought to us by our good friends over at Plain Joe Studios. We love Plain Joe. They describe themselves as spatial storytellers. You might be wondering, what exactly is a spatial storyteller? Well, it means that they're the very best at taking your church's story and bringing it to life through physical space. They combine the disciplines of architecture, concept design, graphic design, technology integration with a deep love for your church into a singular design process that will elevate your church's building into immersive asset and propels your mission and connects uh, many people as possible to your story. These guys are literally with Disney design history with principals who have worked in the Walt Disney Company, incredibly talented team that gets the church from cafe design to kids ministry theming to major master planning to renovation of a large campus. Plain Joe is the partner you're going to want to uh, call today. Listen, you should call them early uh, on our, um, you know, on your development process. So go to www.plainjoestudios.com forward slash unseminary and connect with them for a free 30-minute consultation. They would love to talk to you and hear your story. Again, go to plainjoestudios.com forward slash unseminary to connect with them uh, for a free 30-minute consultation. They'd love to connect with you and hear your story. All right, let's jump in with today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you are tuned in. Um, you know, put us in your earbuds, the fact that you're here today. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader that will both inspire and equip you. And today is no exception. I'm super excited to have my uh, friend Zach Zender on the, the podcast. He uh, is from Florida, which here being, you know, from the Northeast here in the wintertime, it's always good to talk to people from Florida, uh, was uh, called to plant a church in Florida called the Cross Family. But uh, is, is really what we're going to talk about today is the fact that he's an author and founder of something called the Red Letter Challenge. If you've been around on seminary, you've probably heard us talk about it before. Uh, Red Letter Challenges cr- creates resources that are simple to understand, a challenging con- challenging concepts, and are highly practical and really uh, help people in their relationship with Jesus. So I'm super excited to have Zach on the show today. Zach, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thanks, Rich. It's awesome to to be with you and uh, super, yeah, super excited on my side too to talk, talk with you for a little while. Yeah, this is this will be great. I know one of the things I there's a lot that I respect about you and, and your work, but one of the things I, I love is, you know, through your work with Red Letter Challenge, why don't you kind of tell us about what kind of what is Red Letter Challenge and give us a sense of kind of what it is that you do, um, you know, as we just kind of kick off the conversation, give us some context. Yeah, absolutely. So it's evolved a little bit. So it started with just a simple concept of trying to help people follow Jesus greater. So I'm trying to challenge people to be greater followers of Jesus. And so it started with kind of a just a book and uh, centered on things that Jesus said and with really simple practical daily solutions for how to literally put what Jesus said into practice. And so it started as a book and we evolved into a sort of a 40-day 
church series all in with small group resources and sermon manuscripts and graphics and you name it. We try to make it as turnkey as possible. And we've had the privilege to work with hundreds of churches with our initial work, Red Letter Challenge, the 40-day the series. But evolving into more of a ministry to try to create more resources like that, that are very Christ-centered, mm-hmm. that are simple to understand, um, but that are going to walk an entire church through uh, really Jesus-centered principles. That, that's really our mm-hmm. hope. We want to challenge all people to be greater followers of Jesus. And so it's been, been quite a ride and uh, super great to see what God's doing through this very simple idea of, hey, let's follow Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, so cool. Love it. And you know, one of the things I'm one of the reasons why I'm excited to have you on is you have such a unique vantage point with so many churches across the country. Uh, you know, this has been a disruptive year, you know, kind of as we come into the end of 2020. We're we're taking a few episodes here to kind of reflect back on this year. And I'd kind of love to get your, you know, thoughts as you've as you've served churches through this year. What are you seeing uh, kind of in churches at the, you know, at, at the level of, you know, how we're helping people continuing to grow in their relationship with Jesus? What are some of the challenges that you're seeing uh, church leaders have uh, in the midst of everything that, you know, if 2020 has been anything, it's been disruptive. So uh, tell us about what that's been like. Yeah, I would say probably two main things. I think that it's a simple fact that things have gotten more complex this year. And, and that's not always easy to deal with, right? We had systems in place. We had rhythms in our how we led our churches and our, our spiritual lives personally. And all of that got disrupted. And so it's gotten more complex. And, mm-hmm. and so for me, the answer in complexity is let's get back to simplicity wherever we can. And mm-hmm. in the Christian world, the Christian church, I believe the simplest, most unifying thing that we can do is center our resources and our message and all that we do on Jesus Christ. So when things get complex, let's let's find unity around Jesus. That would be one thing is just acknowledging the complexity. The second thing that I think I'm seeing a lot working and talking with a lot of pastors is, you know, early in the pandemic, there was this excitement actually from pastors that spiritual habits and the relationships of our people would grow in this. And as the course of time, the pandemic has gone on longer than a lot of us hoped it would, pastors have reversed that and mm-hmm. and now seeing see it as major disruption and, and bad habits that have been formed. But I would say, truthfully, though, looking at pastors, it's been a hard year. And, you know, mm-hmm. seeing and listening to Barna research and talk about undocumented levels of emotional and mental unhealth. And so for me, not only do we need to create resources and teach our people Jesus-centered things, that's going to keep us unified, but I think pastors need this too. I think the real focus that we need to stay in is that as things on the outside get more complex, we don't have to change who we are. Our, Mm. Our mental and emotional health, I think, is driven by our spiritual health. And, mm-hmm. and so that's what's frustrating to me is it, mm-hmm. this pandemic didn't have to completely decimate <laughs> the mental and emotional <laughs> health of, our, of us as pastors. And so as much mm-hmm. as we point people to Jesus, like, let's also remember that our ministry comes out of our overflow of our relationship with Jesus, too. Yeah, I love that. I, you know, I, I think there is that 
tendency, um, you know, as things become more complex in the world around us, it's like we feel this internal drive to <laughs> that maybe our own lives need to become more complex. But I love this that refreshing idea of, hey, you know, we've maybe got to get back to some of the foundational. I was going to say basics, but basics isn't really the good word. It's even more foundational um, practices, understandings. I think, you know, the unifying nature of, uh, you know, of Jesus in our church as well as a, as a center point. I think a lot of our churches are dealing with, um, you know, division in a lot of ways, whether it's mm-hmm. political or whether it's, you know, I was talking with a friend of mine in Colorado and he's like, yeah, like, I feel like my church is going to split apart over masks, masks mm-hmm. and no masks. And he's like, I, I really wish I never would have thought when I was in seminary that that was the thing that was going to pull my church apart. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I, although I, you know, I'm, I laugh not because it's funny, but because it's sad, you know, mm-hmm. I think we find ourselves in this, you know, in a fairly fractured time. And so helping our people to stay unified around Christ, I think, is such a critically important, um, you know, idea um, how how would you be coaching or you know kind of pointing church leaders to be thinking about that? What what could we be doing? Maybe even as we pivot into the new year to be thinking about you know how could we be helping our people to kind of refocus, recenter their lives on Christ? Yeah, especially the new year. Like, there's nothing different about it, but there's something psychological that I think in a lot of us that that flips when the new year comes, and so we start thinking about resolutions and goals. And at the root of it, those goals and resolutions um, come through habits. And so Mm -hmm. I've been spending a lot of my time thinking through habits and trying to help Mm -hmm. form the right habits. And so what we've seen in the pandemic, again, I think there was this initial wave and excitement early on, like maybe new habits are being formed. They're going to help people grow. And as it's gone over time, I've seen at least from my vantage point and pastors I'm talking to that actually no bad habits have been formed. Anytime disruption comes, right, new habits and new rhythms form, whether we want them to or not. And and so as a pastor, I'm looking at, you know, that Barna research that says 30 percent of practicing Christians no longer attend anywhere in person or online. And, And so what's happened is. That 30%, and I think the numbers are even higher now, uh, is they've now formed a new habit of not attending on a Sunday. And habit mm. formation is a real thing. And, and mm-hmm. so as a pastor and trying to think through our people here at the cross in Mount Dora, I want to try to instill uh, habits that are going to point people back to that relationship with God and, and back to a relationship with Christ because I believe the answer in, you know, if we've had a season of, let's say, collective bad habits, we need to then teach and train people what are the good habits, what are the right habits right. to point people right. back to uh, the good things. And and so that's that's where I'm spending a lot of my energy is really thinking through that. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that idea that... Um, Hey, you know, we know that people have picked up um, new habits. We know that that, you know, and maybe not great habits, you know, through this season. But, you know, even as we pivot into the new year, it could be a time for us in our churches to help point people towards, you know, it's the new year, new you thing. We see that consistently um, that, you know, it's kind of um, an opportunity for us to uh, help people get their heads around What's a new way, uh, you know, to live in this coming year? I, I love that. What would be some of those habits 
that you would see as, you know, these are some things we should be pointing people towards. These are some habits we should be uh, helping people to, to wrestle with in their own lives, that these are, these are the good things to install into our lives uh, because they'll pay, you know, dividends long-term, you know, ultimately help us grow closer to Christ and, and develop as people. Yeah, I would say, and I can elaborate on these, but I would say two things. I would say yep. uh, one from a physical standpoint and then one from a spiritual standpoint, two beliefs that I have. So uh, my, I say my world was kind of transformed uh, when I was reading through a book by Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit. And he mm-hmm. introduced us to the concept of keystone habits. And mm-hmm. so keystone habits are habits that unintentionally spill over, or carry over into other aspects of our lives. And what mm-hmm. they found is kind of amazing is keystone habits are no harder to form than any regular habit, but they have greater benefits. And, and so like some, from a physical perspective, like physical exercise is a keystone mm-hmm. habit, right? And so this is mm-hmm. something new that I've put in my life. And, and I've realized that, man, as I'm exercising, as I'm working out, get my cardio in. Um, I become a more productive person in life. I become more productive at work. I become a better husband and father at home. And I would say also mm-hmm. it, it really helps me spiritually as well. And so mm-hmm. that's one example of a keystone habit. They have others, you know, like flossing your teeth is pretty associated with being a disciplined, consistent person, uh, making your bed every morning. So kind of crazy. So I like the idea of keystone habits, Um, But then my twist on that is I really think that spiritual habits are the most keystone of all, because, again, I think Mm. our physical, our mental, our emotional, all of that health comes from our spiritual health. And so Mm. my answer is I'm trying to find what are the spiritual keystone habits that can carry over into other aspects of my life. And Mm. my my premise on this is that especially when it comes to growing in our relationship with God, is that there was only one person who's ever lived in this world who has had a perfect relationship with God, and his name was Jesus. And so Mm. my answer with this is let's look to Jesus and what were his spiritual keystone habits and how can we then implement those in our life? Hmm. Very cool. I love that. I love that idea of keystone habits and the, you know, the impact, the trickle down, the uh, the leverage that they have in your life. What would be, you know, some of those keystone habits? I feel, I suspect that you've actually uh, thought through what some of those keystone uh, habits that Christ had that we should be installing into our lives that we should, you know, should become a critical piece of of what we do. Sure thing. Yeah, man. I, I, a couple of years ago, I was reading through the Gospels trying to figure out what are the, you know, we use the word spiritual disciplines. What are the spiritual disciplines or the habits that Jesus practiced? And so I just read through all four gospels and on an Excel sheet, just noted every time that Jesus uh, did a particular habit or preached or taught on a particular habit. And I was looking for what are the five, right? I I know there's like a Mm -hmm. list of 30 spiritual disciplines. That's too big for my simple brain. (laughs) What are the five? And so kind of going through it, Yeah, I found what I believe are the five keystone habits of Jesus that helped him connect with God. And so these are the ones I'm trying to instill in my life. And so I'll go through the five. And if we want to dive into each one or particular ones, we we can certainly do that. Um, Mm -hmm. So first is that Jesus committed to community. One of the very first things Mm -hmm. he did, right? He chose 12 disciples. And so he commits to community. It talks about the power of small groups and, and friendships. And, and so that's number one. Uh, secondly, what we see in Jesus is he studied scripture. He had an incredible mm-hmm. knowledge of the scripture. 
In fact, one of the, I think it was a Tim Keller sermon, uh, he pr- said that there are 1,800 red-letter verses in the Bible. And so once I hear red-letter, I always perk up. <laughs> but he said <laughs> right. out of the 1,800, 180 of them were actually Jesus quoting Old Testament Scripture. So how cool that 10% of what Jesus said in the Word of God in our New Testament is actually Old Testament. And so you know, what mm. would it look like for us to have 10% of our language? Um, so you can see that Jesus studied Scripture. Um, third mm. is that Jesus prioritized prayer. Uh, he did it early. He did it often. And the importance of, of that in his connection to God. Uh, another one that I knew he did a lot, but I didn't know if he'd make the top five is seeking solitude. That Jesus mm. uh, just took that, and I, especially in a noisy world that we live in, right? Just taking that time to connect with God and be alone with him. And then the fifth one, it wasn't on my initial list, but because of how often I started seeing it show up, um, is choosing church. And, you know, church mm. was a lot different. And I think this is a really good message for us pastors as we're moving into a year where a lot of people have stopped choosing church. But though it was different, there are several verses that say that in the lifetime of Jesus' ministry, that every day Jesus went to the temple courts and to the synagogue every single day. So I know it's different, but man, he had that practice of being with the gathering and also using his gifts for the, the greater gathering. So those are the five that uh, yeah, I'm trying to implement in my life and that I yeah. really believe are going to help me grow in my relationship with God. And as others do them, I believe it'll help them too. Why don't we, why don't we pick apart, uh, you know, a couple of those just to kind of give people a, a little bit of a deeper sense. So, you know, commit to community, this idea of, hey, we need to be plugged into the community. I think that's such a, uh, um, I think this has been a season where we have seen a, a tremendous amount of disconnect in a lot of churches. And I've seen it just even in my own personal lives. Those people who have seemed to have, you know, stepped away from community, the negative impact that's had on their spiritual life um, is pretty evident. Uh, talk us through um, how do you see that in Christ's life? And then what are you challenging people to do uh, to kind of make that a commitment that they should be making, you know, in this, uh, you know, in their lives today? Yeah. So it's pretty cool. One of the reasons why we have it first is it literally is like one of the very first, if not the first things that Jesus does once he starts his ministry. And so in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I think it happens in chapter four, one, six, and one. And so Jesus Mm. did this as one of the very first things he does. And what's different about Jesus is I think if anyone could have like had more success in this world by not having people around, it's him. Right. And yet he still does it. He still commits to community and pours into uh, people's lives. And so we know oftentimes we think of the 12, but Jesus also had a 72. Uh, He had an inner three, Peter, James and John. And there were several times where he was documented being around the 500. And so I look at that and say, you know, our numbers don't always need to match up. But Jesus had a three, a 12, a 72 and a 500. Who are our Mm. three, 12, 72 and 500? And by the way, there was also a one. There was God at the center of that, too. And so. Uh, seeing that in the life of Jesus and looking at my life and and noting that the people that are in our lives that we habitually associate with uh, make an impact in our life. And so a couple of studies there, a a Harvard professor um, said that 95% of our success or failure can be attributed to the people that we most closely associate with. Like that's crazy. Mm -hmm. And even some other studies, you know, they've tracked simple things like just, this is outside the spiritual world, but if you have one friend that's overweight, um, then you are 57% more likely to be overweight yourself. 
And the flip side of that is true as well. And so when it, we talk about habits and, and committing to community, I do believe that we can do more together. I believe that we can be stronger together, but also noting how important community is and why we put it first is not only because it was one of the first things Jesus did, but I think that if you're going to try, try to instill the other four habits, it makes little to no sense if the environment around you isn't going to support you in that, right? And so we need, oh, yeah, we need the closest three, the 12 that have influence in our lives to be pointing us and propelling us towards a, a life in Jesus. And so, yeah, I think committing to community is huge, especially in our world today in 2020 when, when more have gone to isolation and individualism than ever. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, it's how we commit to community may be a little bit different in coronavirus times. It may be through Zoom, it may be through different, and that's okay but I, I, but real relationship is what we're pointing people to, connecting with someone, and uh, because they really do have great influence over us uh, in, in these lives. Yeah, I love that, and I, you know, I think um, as we think about in our own uh, context, we, you know, we think about how do we, um, you know, I think sometimes that could be a step that we we miss, which is reinforcing to people how important just actually the group of people that they're choosing to journey with uh, is just so critically important. You know, it's that old saying, right? You are the, the sum of the, your five most closest relationships. And that's true in a spiritual sense, right? If we can surround ourselves with people who are uh, also wanting to um, follow Christ and prioritize uh, understanding him, uh, you know, makes such a huge difference in our own spiritual life. One of the other, uh, you know, habits that Keystone habits that you listed there was this idea of solitude. Um, I would struggle with that. So I'm the kind of person that loves to be around other people. The idea of, you know, going into solitude, it sounds like you want me to be a hermit. Tell me more about what you've learned from the life of Christ and how I should be thinking maybe as a skeptical person around solitude, obviously tongue in cheek, but, uh, you know, help me think that through a little bit. Yeah. So solitude's uh, a really fun one and something I think we, I struggle with too, and, and so sure. for me, solitude is, it's not about the definition, the secular definition is being alone. And I actually mm. teach, it's never good to be alone. So that's not what I'm teaching in solitude In solitude. I'm saying being alone with God. So it's just mm. intentional time with God. And so what does that mm-hmm. look like? And I think it's really important in our world today where, where there are, is a lot of noise all around us and mm-hmm. the data we consume and the amount and the quantity, like it's always volume up, it seems like everywhere. And so intentionally turning that volume down and spending time with God. And that's one of the other things with these keystone habits is they don't all, you know, rest on their own. Like I can pray, I can read my Bible and have solitude at the same time. And so mm-hmm. but the key is, am I spending time with God? Because when I don't, uh, I let a lot of other voices in. And, uh, you know, I like what Carrie, our friend Carrie Newhoff says that focus is the new superpower for the 2020s. And mm-hmm. I think we live in an extremely distracting world. And if we don't spend that time with God, then it's really easy to get distracted and veer off the path in which God's calling us. And so with Jesus, yeah, there were uh, 39 times that I counted. I probably miscounted because it's probably 40, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> sure. There were 39 times I counted in the four gospels where Jesus either got away uh, by himself or he taught on the importance of solitude. And he would do this. Uh, Mark one is my favorite story because in Mark one, you have so many things happening. 
Uh, Jesus mm-hmm. starts his ministry, calls the disciples, goes to preach at the synagogue. And at that time, someone's yelling at him. And it's not like the preach it, Jesus. It's the I'm demon possessed yelling. <laughs> and mm. Jesus exercises the demon, goes back to Peter's house. And Peter's like, yeah, my mom's my mother-in-law's hurt. So I need you to go heal her. And then the whole town shows up at his door at sunset. And so I'm thinking after a busy day like that, I've preached message before. And I just want to take a nap when I'm done. Right. Um, mm. But after such a busy day, Mark 135 says the very uh, next day, Jesus got up early, went to a solitary place and prayed. And something, mm. thinking, man, that's what's really cool is solitude. Actually, we get our focus. We get our, our energy. Uh, we, we, we get, you know, all the distractions away and we can just listen and, and spend time with a God that loves us. And we need that. And so that's where our energy and our focus comes from. It doesn't come from, I'm not saying it's wrong to do this, but it doesn't come from just, you know, watching Netflix or, you know, binge watching the latest thing. Like that's okay time to time, but our real energy and our real focus comes from that spending time with God in a, in a pretty noisy, distracting world. Very cool. Well, you've actually packaged up, uh, you know, your learnings uh, into a into a challenge called the Being Challenge uh, that I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about. Tell us about the Being Challenge. Uh, you know, how is it structured? How are churches using it? That sort of thing. Give us a kind of an overview of of what is the Being Challenge. Yeah, we so we mirrored it exactly after our first forty day workbook, which is called Red Letter Challenge. And mm-hmm. being challenged ans- asks the very simple question, how do I grow in my relationship with God? I think that, again, we live in a time where we've never had more information, but there are people that are like, yeah, I want to grow in my relationship with God. What do I do? And, you mm-hmm. know, my seminary answer I learned, I know you're the unseminary guy. The seminary answer <laughs> I learned was nothing. You don't need to do anything. You're saved by grace. And I, I agree with that. Like, that's a good answer, but it's also a lazy answer. People are looking for disciplines. They're looking for what can I do to grow in my relationship? And so that's what this book really answers. And it dives deeper into the five keystone habits of Jesus, obviously showing in Jesus's life where we see these, but then also bringing it to modern day today. What does it look like for us to practice these five keystone habits? And so we've centered it, uh, packaged it in a 40-day workbook. So it's kind of just like Red Letter Challenge, a turnkey 40-day series um, that we believe is going to be teaching people the keystone habits of Jesus. And we think that if you're going to try to instill and inform new habits, especially in the new year coming up, then why not shoot for the habits of Jesus? Like, right, not all habits are created equal. So those are the ones I want in my life. And so anyway, we've created it uh, and we've got all sorts of resources, free resources to go along with it. Small group materials, videos, guides, sermon manuscripts and videos, graphics, uh, you name it. We, we've, we've probably got it a free weekly kids curriculum. Uh, we've also mm-hmm. uh, written a kids version for K through five, really trying mm-hmm. to help children instill these habits in their life at a young age when when their faith is still being formed. What would it, how cool would it be if yeah, kids, elementary kids even, uh, can start taking up these habits and, and growing in their relationship with God? So, yeah, it's called Being Challenge, and we actually launched it this fall of 2020 in about 15 mm-hmm. churches. And uh, these are churches, by the way, that went through it during COVID times, which is pretty awesome. And uh, Mm -hmm. the number one word we hear with our resources, by the way, in COVID times is unity. 
uh, right? Mm. It's going to unify your church, not just Sunday. Uh, it's not just going to take the digital and the in-person and the, those who are hybrid, but it's also going to give them something Monday through Saturday, which I think is mm-hmm. really cool. Um, and so, yeah, we launched it and they all had a great experience. And uh, we really believe that probably the new year in 2021, that first quarter is just an awesome time to teach and shape the habits of our people. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's a uh, brand new. As, as a uh, listener, as a, an outsider, I've got no, I don't have shares in the red letter challenge company. So I, I really do think that these kind of campaigns um, are significant growth catalysts for uh, churches. We've seen this time again on the church growth side as we've looked into what do growing churches do. Oftentimes we see these kinds of campaigns where we set aside 40 days or, you know, a shorter period of time. They don't need to be 40 days, but these these two have, that we're talking about today happen to be structured around that. But this idea of unifying the entire church, the kind of weekend experience, midweek, kids' environments, it's a, it's a unifying experience. It's a way to kind of bring everybody onto the same page. It's frankly an excuse to uh, invite people to get into groups. It's an excuse for people to invite their friends to come be a part of the church. It's a, it's a great experience for churches. And the thing that I love about Zach and what he's done at Red Letter Challenge is you've made it completely turnkey. It's, it's ready to go. It's, um, you know, it's, it, you, as a church leader, you could say, yes, we're going to do that. And uh, you've provided everything that you need to do to jump on board and to, you know, to take advantage of, which I just think is an amazing gift. Um, the actual, I wish this was a video podcast, which it's not, but the actual core resources that I've got both the adult version and the kid version, they're high quality. They're well done. They're the kind of thing you'd be proud uh, to have to give out to people at your church. Um, and, and they're the kind of thing that, uh, they're designed in a way to kind of help people participate, to stay engaged, to plug in, to be a part of it. Um, now, how are you seeing, what would be some of the kind of best practices maybe, and this could probably be a whole other conversation, mm-hmm. but what would be uh, some of the best practices that you've seen over how many people have participated in these challenges, like the total number of participants and, and then give us a sense of what some of the best practices churches have had who have kind of run these campaigns and have seen, you know, that they feel the happiest with the response out of it. What are some of the things that you're seeing that, that is kind of common among churches that are doing well in this? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So t- in total with red letter and with being challenged, uh, we've had about 120,000 people go through our 40-day workbooks. And, That's amazing. Uh, and so f- with Being Challenged, it's brand new. We had 15 churches, um, thousands go through it this fall. And so I would say there's a large-scale and a small-scale answer to that question. What, what am I seeing? The large-scale is on the church side. And so I'm a pastor, and I try to write a resource for pastors. In fact, when I start my curriculum, I don't start writing a book. I write sermon series, right? Because I want this mm-hmm. to preach. I want this to be really effective for the church. And so mm-hmm. on the pastor side, what we've seen is, yeah, like you said, small group growth like crazy. Now, granted, most mm-hmm. of that's pre-COVID. We don't know what post-COVID looks like yet. But even still, right. we've had lots of churches that have used us during COVID, and some have even grown their small groups Uh, based on what they were pre-COVID, which is pretty awesome. So there's some small group growth. There's that unity. There's that energy that you're going to be looking for. And then, of course, I think the content is going to really help people, um, you know, grow in their relationship with God. And so I think from a large scale, all that's good. Also, like, 
you know, as we're planning Christmas and then the calendar's flipping or thinking about, about Easter, I think it's always great to have a turnkey resource that, you know, that is quality, that is going to move our people in the right way so we can really then have the time to focus on those other really important dates, those really important times mm-hmm. in the church year. So that's, I would say, mm-hmm. large scale. Small scale, I think the power is in the challenges. So we challenge people uh, day six through 40, the first five are kind of introductory days, but day six through 40, there's a very specific challenge. And so, you know, I've heard in the being challenge, the week of study scripture, that one of the individuals that went through it, one of the challenges was, you know, to spend some time in God's word and gave him some very specific direction in that. And based on that, they said, you know, I've been a Christian, you know, for 20 years, but I, I haven't really read the Bible. And I read the entire mm-hmm. gospel of John. That wasn't even the challenge, by the way, that day. <laughs> but I read mm-hmm. the entire gospel of John in one setting and I couldn't put it down. And and now mm-hmm. I'm now I started a reading plan. So like Very cool. that, that's one story of many, many, many on the small scale of what we're seeing. Some people are starting a new prayer life or they're putting that intentional solitude time in, maybe even a Sabbath, um, you know, or that intentional mm-hmm. time with God. And so um, anyway, all of those things are kind of the small scale uh, wins as well. Yeah, I love it. Again, listeners, I would really encourage you to to find uh, being challenged to get plugged in and to to. Maybe, maybe buy a, a copy of the book. I don't know. I'm speaking at a turn here. I don't know if I can buy even just one to kind of take a look at and wrestle through and think about, hey, maybe this is the kind of thing. I do think this could be a great thing to plug into your uh, planning calendar for this coming year as someone who has spent years, a couple decades, working with the sermon calendar and lining up series and all that. I know that there are times where, frankly, if we could uh, work with a resource like this, it kind of helps us jump ahead because we say, hey, we're going to do the being challenge in February and March. And uh, then, you know, we know that they've got everything we need. They've got all the resources uh, that we need to do. Let's jump ahead and try to get ahead uh, on, you know, some of our other content for the year. If people want to to learn more about being challenged uh, or Red Letter Challenge, for that matter, where do we want to send them online? What what addresses do we want to point them towards? Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Rich. Uh, redletterchallenge.com is a, our website, so you would go there. Specifically on the being, go to redletterchallenge.com slash being, and that's going to mm-hmm. take you to our, our church page. And actually, what mm-hmm. we do uh, is we send out a free workbook to a pastor that wants one. So there's a link on there. It's a quick Google form, and we'll just ship it out and mail it to you for free. Because uh, we really want you to see it, like we said, like you said, we work with a great design team, Plain Joe Studios, and I know they're friends of yours, Rich, and uh, they just mm-hmm. really make, um, yeah, they really make it look special. Uh, and and so we're happy to send a free book to pastors, and uh, so you can get that at redletterchallenge.com/being, and there's a link there. And uh, yeah, we'd love to team up with any church that might want to consider a 40 day challenge, um, like you said, in the, in the calendar year. Yeah, I love it. And I love that it's free. That's amazing to, for people to get, you know, kind of get a sample, get a sense of where it's at. Obviously, that uh, for folks, I'm going to make something implicit, explicit. The reason why they're doing that is because they know uh, <laughs> that when leaders like you get this in your hands, you're going to say, man, we should do this. And so uh, I, you should even just take that as an endorsement of like, wow, they, you know, this, this is a great resource. It's something you should seriously consider. Uh, this could be a year that, you know, could be really transformational, could be a key part of what happens in your church in this uh, this year. Super excited for being challenged. Zach, I appreciate you being on the show. Anything else you want to say as we as we wrap up, as we kind of close down today's episode? 
No, man, super grateful for you and, and all you're doing for the, the greater C Capital Church. It's, uh, it's so important. And uh, yeah, man, you've been a great influence in uh, my life and my pastoring. And so, yeah, man, grateful for the opportunity and, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks so much, Zach. Appreciate you being here today. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.